I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Last night, I dreamt I went to Mandalay again. It seemed to me I stood by the iron gate leading to the drive, and for a while I could not enter, for the way was barred to me. There was a padlock and a chain upon the gate. I called in my dream to the lodgekeeper and had no answer, and peering closer through the rusted spokes of the gate, I saw that the lodge was uninhabited. We're going to Mandalay. Welcome to the Curiously Specific Book Club, the podcast that is curiously specific about dates and locations in well-known books. Every episode, we take a book out into the wild and see if the world of fiction matches up with the real world. Hello, my name is Tim Wright. I'm a digital writer and a producer of immersive fiction. And my name's Lloyd Shepard. I'm a writer and a digital product manager. I think this is a very immersive fiction we're talking about. It is. I've got really into this. I got really into the, both the book and the author. Yes, well, you better say who they are then. Uh, we are doing a Rebecca by Daphne du Maurier. Maurier, she As like she to say. insisted on saying, pronouncing it. <laughs> Daphne du Maurier. So, yes, we're doing a Rebecca, published in 1937. Daphne du Maurier's fourth novel? Something like that, fourth yeah. Fourth and novel. she'd written bestsellers from the off. Yeah. Uh, and we, we've been to Mandalay, listener. That's it. That's the whole podcast, really, is walking around the perimeter of Mandalay. Yeah. And we've got a surprise for you. We have. A massive surprise for you. We've surprised ourselves. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's a magic moment, isn't it? <laughs> because it's one of those moments where you think, yeah, she's made all this up, really, or it's a highly exaggerated. I think we talk, talk about her being quite exaggerated in her writing and it's almost hysterical sometimes. Therefore, we didn't have high hopes of finding anything curiously specific. But, listener, yeah. I think you're going to be surprised, oh, pleasantly surprised. Oh, boy, were we wrong about that. That was uh, it, It's been great. We should say a little bit about what it's about. Obviously, Rebecca is actually the name of the... Uh, the dead wife. Of, of the dead wife of... Maxim de Winter. Maxim de Winter, what a name, eh? Uh, and a the, machine gun of winter. The narrator who is unnamed is That's never named curious, in the book. She's a 21-year-old sort of ingenue. She's a sort of... Uh, well, at the start, she's a, com- a companion to a rich old lady down in the south of France. And she she's wooed by Max de Winter. I don't know, wooed is not the right word. They go for a drive and he's yeah. a bit rude to her. That's about <laughs> it's it. Not, it's not a particularly romantic wooing. <laughs> and they get they have a whirlwind romance. Uh, he just says, why don't you marry me, you little fool? Yeah. And, uh, and uh, I'm and asking then, you to marry and me. And then he you. whisks her off to his massive estate in Cornwall. Yeah. Mandalay. Where things occur. Well, and it's the classic thing that she turns up to a big grand house. She's only 21. She's she's not seen much of the world. And she's meant to now be a lady of the manor who runs the place. And there's a housekeeper who loved the first wife. Rebecca. Creepy. creepy the first wife being Rebecca. Rebecca. And they've kept the – Mrs. Danvers, the housekeeper, has kept the house as Rebecca would have liked it. Mm-hmm. With her writing desk, even her letters there – all her underwear in the drawer. Mm-hmm. And so it's a massively intimidating and unfriendly place for a second wife to turn up. And her husband turns out to be not very helpful, I'd say. No, he's, he's, he's the understatement of the year. We'll, we'll, talk about, we'll talk about Max. I won't give any more away, but that's the setup. 
I was interested to that it was written in Egypt. She married a soldier, and he she was did. posted to Egypt. We've had a lot of those books. We think about Barry Hines wrote Kez in Elba. Yeah. And then uh, Susan Cooper wrote Dark of Rising in the Caribbean. She did. And forgot about the M4. She forgot about the M4. Yeah. Luckily, we were there to remind her. Yeah. So I think we've got to be careful about writers who write about locations from a distance. Yeah. They might get things wrong. Listener. They might get things a bit wrong. They might do. And then pass it off as a dream. I know it. I know it. This time it's real. It's thrilling. So thrilling. Maxim, I said. Maxim, what is it? He drove faster. Much faster. There he is now. We topped the hill before us and saw Lanyon lying in a hollow at our feet. There to the left of us was the silver streak of the river widening to the estuary at Kerith, six miles away. The road to Mandalay lay ahead. Well, gateway to Mandalay. That's what we're doing, mate. We're in the gateway we're on the to road Mandalay. to Mandalay. We're on the road to Mandalay. So we're sitting by the side of the River Foy. Yes, F O W E Y, the uh, said river, which rolls. We're about six miles from Foy. Yes, which is where this river goes out, goes out to the sea. Yes, and we're in the town of I don't know how to pronounce it. Well. You know I struggle with pronunciation. Yes. Is it Lost Withiel? I would say it's Lost Withiel. Or Lost Withiel. Lost, Lost Withiel. Lost Withiel sounds better. Yeah, I like Lost Withiel. Lost Withiel. Anyway, that's where we are, and we think that this has to be Lanyard. Lanyon. Lanyon. Not Lanyard. Sailing thing, you see. It's not, it's We're going to be a sailing talk, talk, isn't it? It's business conference reference. Yeah. Um, it's six miles from <coughs> Foyer, which we th- is obviously Kerrick. And it is in a bowl, as it were. So you could look, maybe look down on it from the road, but we I don't know. I think you know. probably could look down from from the road, and it is in a, it's a hollow because it's a, it's along the river valley, and it's yeah. quite hilly round here. So you drive down into Lost Withiel, and then you drive up again to go to the road to Foy. Yes. Um, so we're going to go and do that, aren't we? We're going to go and do that. There are some issues with it in that the coroner's inquest takes place in Lanyon, which is described as the nearest market town. Is Lost Withiel really a market town? I mean, they park in a large cobbled market square. Mm. We've not been able to find a large cobbled market square in Lost Withiel. No. We stayed here last night. We did. Had a nice dinner in the Globe Inn. Yes. So there's a guild hall, but there isn't really anywhere where you could have an inquest, and there certainly isn't a cobbled market square. You showed me a picture that there is one in St. Alstall, didn't you? There is one in... No, the picture I showed you was with Truro. Truro. My only theory was that Max is obviously a man of influence. He's he's the richest man in town. And that if he wanted to have an inquest quietly in a village nearby, he could talk to the major, what's his name, the local magistrate and sort that out, couldn't he? Yeah. I I don't want to stink in Bodmin. I'd rather we just did it quietly I, and I Lost Withiel. I think Lost Withiel's big enough to have an inquest in it. I think it's actually quite a important it, town. Well, it used to be. It's got silted up because it used to be the main town, port. Isn't it? Well, we, we, there's huge warehouses on the other yeah, side of the river here. Houses, it was a yeah. massive trade here. No big big boats can get down here now. It's all silted no. up. So, I mean, it's a major key, isn't it, that we've got yeah. here? Quayside. So, well, yeah, it was, it was obviously bigger and more bustling. Yeah. It's right, but it's not right. It's good, but it's not right. Well, I don't think we've got another candidate there, have we? No, I think if you're driving down to f- what we think is Mandalay, it has to be this. And I it's wonder. a lovely little town, so it's a good start. So do you think she kind of went, I need it to be... Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it, the decisions that writers make. Why didn't she have it in Truro? She could have written it so that it was in Truro. I think that they need to get between the inquest and Mandalay quite quickly. Quite quickly, yes. That she says, I must go back after lunch and be with Max yes that's something right like that so that's right it has to yeah. be qu- I think quite probably, a decent I think that's probably quick drive but it's a lovely place it's a beautiful sunny morning we're going to head off to Kerrick aka Foy yes where and um, we're going to find Mandalay we're going to Mandalay very exciting I am quite excited we're get, this is going to be a good one for you listener because it's a it's a lovely coastal walk there's going to be a lot of sound of the sea there's going to be lovely beaches there's going to be the sight of Lloyd Shepard swimming in his I'm not swimming today. Are you not? I've got a bit of a head cold. 
you, that came on quickly, didn't it? As soon as it we decided, we thought night. about the idea that you I might knew you swim. Were say that. I that knew came on very quickly. I'm <laughs> claiming a head cold. I'll see how I feel when we get down there. But yeah. um, all right, I don't think it's particularly sm- smart to get jump in a cold sea today, as much as I would want to. Well, who said anything about being being smart? I just think it might be good for the listener to to hear it. <laughs> well, I'm not damaging my health on behalf of the listener. No, I'm damaging your health Extreme on behalf of the listener. That's my role. Extreme podcasting. So we have to talk about Daphne de Maurier. De Maurier, as she um, liked to pronounce it. Yes, and her obsession with this house that we are in hunt of. Well, her obsessions full stop. Her obsessions full stop, yes. She was a fascinatingly complex woman. I'll admit, I hadn't read Rebecca before we did this podcast. Uh, I didn't know anything about Daphne du Maurier. Mm. So I thought she was just a kind of fairly pedestrian, but successful writer who'd managed to sort of, you know, struck gold with this this story. So I'm so wrong, yeah. so wrong about her in every way. Yeah. I'm wrong about the book, I'm wrong about the writer. I mean, the, the, the thing that, the, my starting point for this was finding out that she found a letter from her husband's first fiancé. Yes, uh, that's right, who was called... Yeah. Jan Ricardo, and she signed her name with a large and elegant R. I know. Exactly like right. Rebecca does in the book. So that's the starting point for mm. the kind of uh, the weird affordances, shall we say, with, between her life and the book? Well, the feelings of, so they're immediately feelings of jealousy and also inadequacy of matching up to a previous lover. Yeah. Those two things immediately in her bones, yeah. as it were. I mean, the basics for uh, Daphne du Maurier, is she was born in 1907. We've already referred to her father, Gerald du Maurier, yes. uh, who was an actor and manager, theatre manager, um, because he's buried in Hampstead C- Cemetery, which we visited f- for Dracula. That's right. He's quite a curiously specific figure, isn't he? Well, he's quite a curious figure, full stop. My goodness, isn't he? So she's, yes. li- she's living in Hampstead, educated by governesses, sort of worshipped her father. In, and in, he worshipped her. He worshipped her. He had three daughters and he didn't have a boy. No. And he wanted a boy. He wanted a boy. So he chose her as his boy, as and it were. And she talked in later life about having to keep the boy in the box inside her. Well, she I talks, think she was even she more explicit than that. She says that she had a persona. She had a, she, it wasn't just that he had a boy in a box. She was, she had an alter ego who was called Eric Avon. No, it's, that's right. But later she talks about putting him in a box yes, and okay. trying to keep him in there. But even she had a backstory for him that Eric Avon went to school at rugby. Oh, did he? Apparently. She did a full backstory. Well, she's a writer. So there you go. <laughs> it all starts really early with her, I think, because yeah. the other thing is obviously that his, his best mate is J.M. Barry. Yes. And also then the Quilla couches. Yeah. So she is basically hanging out with the Lost Boys. She is basically being groomed to be Peter Pan yeah. at this point. Yeah. J.M. Barry. Right to play. Well, he 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 puts he puts Gerald Demore in all his plays. That's how Gerald Demore gets to be famous. Really, he was doing it. it. She actually, you know, she stopped writing fiction for a while to write. When Gerald Demore died, she wrote a biography of him called Gerald. Called as a fourth, a fourth it was, book. A, it was a, it was a big bestseller. Yeah. One of the first warts and all kind of ones where they said, "Oh, you shouldn't have really said that sort yeah. of thing." And apparently, a lot of showbiz people in London were like, "I hope my children aren't going to write a book like that." Yeah, yeah. Very troublesome. Very troublesome. The whole thing. He had, apparently had fierce rages every time she brought a, home, a boy home. Yeah. She did have two major crushes on women, she did. didn't she? Very big trouble. Extraordinary story about her pub, American publisher. So she got sued for plagiarism for Rebecca. And there's an extraordinary episode where it's Doubleday, isn't it, the American publisher? That's right. He sends over his wife, Ellen Doubleday, on a luxury liner to America, because to, by this time she's making money hand over fist for the publishers. Right? Yeah. They send her over on a luxury liner to pick up Daphne du Maurier and bring her back to New York for the trial, nice. uh, Ellen Doubleday. And on the cruise back, du Maurier falls head over heels in love with Ellen Doubleday. Awkward. Um, and spends quite a lot of the cruise hiding in her cabin because she's so terrified about, you know, what might happen if you know if she kind of acts on this or, or anything like that? And then it's this Ellen, this Ellen Doubleday figure, who, who was quite a Rebecca-esque kind of character by all accounts. Very sort of you know, well, a bit older, a bit older, very uh, comfortable, very social, socialite, very yeah, sophisticated, yeah. and all the things that um, that Du Maurier really wasn't. Yeah, you know, that's right. Very comfortable in those kind. Well, of Well, she movie. goes on to then write My Cousin Rachel. She does, which. 
yeah. is pretty much uh, the, the talk is that that is Ellen Doubleday yeah. basically yeah, yeah. in that in that yeah. book. So yeah. that's another one, listener. If you if you get into this stuff, you should read that book. It's amazing. And if you don't get into this stuff, what the hell's wrong with you? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was, if I had more time, I'd I think I'd read everything she wrote. I know. I mean, the short stories, as you pointed out, are all excellent yeah. as well. And then she went. This was uh, intrigued me. Was that then she did a play version of My Cousin Rachel. And they cast the very famous actress Gertrude Lawrence. Yes. Who was then in her 50s, I yeah, think. Yeah, EastEnder. And then while watching Gertrude Lawrence in the theatre, allegedly, she wanted Gertrude Lawrence to basically impersonate Ellen Doubleday. Yeah. She did it so well that Daphne Morrow fell in love with Gertrude <laughs> Lawrence. Awkward. Or, yeah, even more awkward that in her youth, Gertrude Lawrence had gone out with her dad. Her dad. <laughs> her dad. It's so... Isn't it? That's just crazy. It's crazy, crazy stuff. Is it worth saying, uh, inserting into this Cornwall? Do oh, yes. Do that here? Yeah, yeah. Because obviously then. her early life is spent in London in the yeah. theatre set. Yeah. And uh, in the 20s, the, uh, her parents, it was Muriel, her mother, wasn't it? Um, Who never gets a look in never any gets of these a look stories. Away, not, yeah. They decide they need a, a house in the country, a holiday house. Well, I think part of it was that she'd had, she, they realised she was slightly neurotic and a bit sort of in her own head, so they wanted to take her somewhere else to yeah. sort of settle her down. As yeah, well. yeah. Also, presumably, Gerald wanted to hide away from her. Oh, yeah. Um, so they buy a house on the on River Foy, and they buy a house there right on the river, which they renamed Ferryside and do up. And she became, obs- she became obsessed with it. She became obsessed with uh, this, this, this Getting this obsessed with houses is going to be part yeah, of the thing. Getting obsessed with houses is part of the thing. And that's her first taste of Cornwall. It's, it's there that she meets Quilla Couch's daughter. She meets down there. They yeah. learn to sail together. Mm-hmm. She meets this other woman, Clara Vivian. Uh, so she learns to sail down there. So mm-hmm. she gets all that stuff. And she also discovers this house, this sort of slightly run-down derelict house yeah, yeah. just outside Foy yeah. called Menabilly. So they're all down there. They're all in love with Cornwall. Yeah. So obviously, then she writes loads of books about Cornwall, Jamaica Inn, Frenchman's Creek. She's, it's, you know, that's what she's famous for. Yeah. But I think that it's, that's what we're saying is we're going down there thinking that we're going to explore Daphne du Maurier's Cornwall, and we end up exploring her... Psyche? <laughs> her, her, her boy in a box. Her boy in a box, Yeah. Did you grow up with a feeling of exclusivity, of, of being different from, from other people, less less privileged, Myself. less famous? Yes. yes. Did you feel it was no. special? No, no. Um, I thought I was I was always rather solitary, apart from the sisters. We were a little gang on our own. You see, we didn't know a lot of other children. We weren't frightfully keen on our contemporaries. I mean, other children we thought were rather silly, which was a bit. Unkind of us, perhaps. Much more interested in older people, all these people that used to come up home. And, uh, oh no, we, we, um, we were much more interested in uh, adults. And when we grew up, uh, we, we, when we were about sort of 14, 15, 16, this sort of age, we didn't go about in gangs like, like uh, teenagers do today. We, we always thought older men were far more attractive. Daddies, Gerald, yeah. <laughs> contemporaries. You see, and uh, had terrific sort of what we called in those days crushes on them. We came to Mandalay in early May, arriving, so Maxim said, with the first swallows and the bluebells. It would be the best moment before the full flush of summer, and in the valley the azaleas would be prodigal of scent and the blood red rhododendrons in bloom. We motored, I remember, leaving London in the morning in a heavy shower of rain coming to Mandalay about five o'clock in time for tea. He drives quite fast, doesn't he? Only two miles further, said Maxim. You see that great belt of trees on the brow of the hill there? No. Sloping to the valley with a scrap of sea beyond? No. That's Mandalay in there. Those are the woods. I'm going to try and make How did you see them, Max? as pompous as possible okay. when we're doing this podcast episode. Because <laughs> I think we both developed a serious dislike of the fellow. I'm asking you to marry me, you silly idiot. Oh, he's yeah. such a... <laughs> what did he say on the way there? Oh, I, just, I just read it. Um, it doesn't matter to me as long as you don't mind, I said. Most women think of nothing but clothes, he said. Oh, dear. Oh, he's dear. A, he's a pompous ass. Also... You can't see the woods. We've just proved it. No, we've just driven from um, Lost Withiel. Yeah, down and to And you Foy. can't see. 
you can't even see Foy for most of it. No, no. and there's quite a bit high hedgerows. It's high it, hedgerows. It, it's quite hilly up and down. Up and down. Yes. Now, can I, can I just... So say, we should say where we are. I was going to say, can I just wax lyrical about Foy? It's a beautiful day with some white fluffy clouds. It's a bit windy, as you can hear. There is a rather fine yacht with white sails sailing out of the harbour, mm-hmm. the, the rather large harbour of the River Foy. You've got another town on the other side. Pol Ruin. Pol Ruin, with classic sort of Cornish houses falling down the cliff into the sea. We're on the quay on the uh, Foy side. A few old cannons. A rather big statue of a raven which is there to celebrate, commemorate memorialise Daphne du Maurier's The Birds Yep. so she, her presence is here already, there are people just sitting on benches enjoying it, there's a boat hire place with a little hut with two old geezers waiting to sell boat rides it's all very lovely it's lovely isn't it it really yeah, it's is. a beautiful day. And so we're sitting on the on the quayside looking out to sea. And we're, yeah. Up to our right are the hill, uh, uh, is, is a hill climbing up, quite a steep hill. Yeah. On the far side of that hill, we think, is Mandalay. We're yeah. already, already a bit suspicious, aren't we? So I found this book called something like the Rebecca Notebook, which is a collection of essays over many years where she talks about her own life in various ways. And in all these essays, I sense it's a highly romanticised version of what actually happened so I want to be wrong because obviously I want her to be part of the Curiosity Specific Club but well, the one just thing I in would the say, reading of it I feel like this is a bit heightened. Sitting here with the sun out, it does feel quite romantic. Give us a kiss but no it does doesn't I it I only have one thing to say to that. It's quite vivid which is a quote from the book Yeah. some people have a vice of reading Bradshaw's they plan innumerable journeys across country for the fun of linking up impossible connections. Yes. My I hobby. Call that advice. My hobby is less tedious. <laughs> if a strange, I am a mine of information on the English countryside. She says. Is she? So, she's already laid out her stall. She doesn't. So like she thinks being a mine of information on the English countryside is less tedious. Less tedious than, than working through train connections. Than reading Bradshaws and planning innumerable journeys well, across country know. for the the linking up of impossible connections. That's a good. That's I, us, isn't it? The I, linking. I up put of it to you, Daphne. That you know, get over yourself. <laughs> I'm very happy to think that I'm li- trying to link up impossible connections. That's exactly why we're here. Yeah, of course we are. And also, isn't that what writers are doing sometimes? Or impossible connections. Well, in, we're going to find out, aren't we? As we, as we well, it's, certainly an, it's certainly an impossible view as we, yeah. from the road. Well, I think as we trosh around the coastal path, we'll, we'll see who's making impossible connections, won't we? We will. You're listening to the Curiously Specific Book Club, the podcast that's curiously specific about dates and locations in well-known books. If you'd like to listen to the second part of this episode on Rebecca, you can do so right now by subscribing to our Patreon. Yeah, for just two of your English pounds, or whatever it is in Australian dollars. Worth considerably less than the last time we recorded this thing. (laughs) Yes, that's right, yes. For all you Americans out yeah, there, yeah. It's a, bu- it's a bigger bargain. Start, start buying now, because it's getting cheaper by the day. <laughs> <laughs> um, but what you get if you support us on Patreon is you get part two straight away. So you don't have to wait a week, and you get it without ads. Yeah. And then on top of that, you'll be part of a group of people who have access to our show notes, where we mention all these web links we've found and books we've read and places we've been and we put all of that information in an easy to access sort of folder for you to so you can do your own sort of looking around and browsing and we do some lovely maps some lovely maps some lovely some more functional less lovely maps but anyway what we're giving you is a kit for your own adventure yeah so that if you're really into this book for example and you've ever wondered well, where is it set? And if I went there, what would I find? Yeah. This is it. This, this is, is it. What you'd get, and you'd have a fantastic trip. And uh, we put up pictures and videos that we found uh, while, while while we're out there. So it, it's a complete manual for an adventure the, with Rebecca. Yeah. Uh, don't you know, don't do the full Daphne du Maurier adventure though. We haven't got a manual for that. Oh well, what Daphne du Maurier getting up to in Menabili? Yeah, yeah. 
We're not. We're not Don't, providing information. We're about not that, that kind of. We're not podcast. providing a how-to about that. No, we're not doing that kind of thing at all. Well, that would be ten pounds. No. <laughs> that's, that's, that's behind a different paywall. Now um, back to the podcast. Now back to the podcast. Hey, folks! I'm Mark Marin from the WTF podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. I'm no millionaire, but I'm not the type you care. Cause I've got the pocket full of dreams. It's my universe, even with an empty purse. Cause I've got the pocket full of dreams. Yes, there it was, the Mandalay I had expected. The Mandalay of my picture postcard long ago. A thing of grace and beauty, exquisite and faultless, lovelier even than I had ever dreamed, built in its hollow of smooth grassland and mossy lawns, the terraces sloping to the gardens and the gardens to the sea. She loves that house. She does love that house. That's Mandalay. But is it a real place? That's what we were trying to work out, right? It's fairly well established, isn't it, that Mandalay equals a place called Menabili, yep. which is a uh, a grand house on the outskirts of Foy, about five miles outside Foy. Yes, although she does say that the interiors of the house were b- done from a memory of visiting a very grand house in Cambridgeshire when she was a kid. Yeah, yeah. When she was writing the book, she had actually been inside the house. She'd done a bit of trespassing to him. Ah, uh, she's yeah. my kind of girl. She's your kind of girl. Yeah, you would. You'd be. You'd be going. Oh, I don't think we should go in there. Well, actually, she. Oh no. I, she I, claims to be trespassing. I can't go over that fence. But I did read something that she had had actually written to the owner and said, "Do you mind if I go and have a little poke she's around?" She's mates with the owner's daughter. They're well, all poshos together. Not when daughter. They say trespassing. Is he the daughter? Is she the daughter? She's the niece, isn't is she? she? Anyway, part of there's a difference. It's the okay. dower house she lives in. Right. But anyway, they all know each other. They all know so each other. In terms of wandering around their grounds. Oh, hello. So at the time, at the time she's looking around the house, it's actually owned by a Doctor Rashley. Yes, very good. Who is a descendant of the Rashley family? Massively wealthy. Massively, the they, Rash- you know they were the richest people in Cornwall. They were richer than the the Duke of Cornwall. Absolutely, huge amounts of money. They made their money uh, from trade. From they were merchants. Well, they also uh, the land because and, then they were mine mineral rights. Yeah, they had a lot of that as well. So the house was actually completed in 1624. So it's quite, quite an old, old house. Quite okay, an old house. I didn't realize that old. So John Rashley was the grandson of Jonathan Rashley, who was a cricketer, apparently. It was interesting. We'll okay. There was a cricket mentioned later on. So John Rashley uh, succeeded uh, to the baronetcy in 1905. Ah, oh, okay, we're getting to it. Didn't live in Menabilly. Didn't fancy living there. Don't know why. They do uh, this, Poshers. They abandoned some of their big old houses. He was a doctor in Truro. Oh, really? Yeah. 
Okay. And it's quite interesting that the Dreschleys seem to have adopted a fairly sort of middle-class professional lifestyle in the 20th century. Yes, because you were looking up... Because I did go and get the title deeds, by the you way. You did, yeah. And the map of Elvit, which is kind of interesting. Because the current owner's an accountant, right? He is, that's right. Sir Richard. Sir Richard Ash- Rashley. Sir Richard Rashley. I looked up, and then obviously I did the company's house research to see what companies he's involved yeah. in. He was involved in property... A property company of property searches for rich people for a while, yeah. But then he stopped doing that. Um, so yeah, he seems like he's quite lives a quite a sort of modest life, yeah. But still owns this massive, but doesn't live in the house, house right? No, I don't think so. No, he yeah. lives somewhere else. Yeah. Okay. I think they used to. Uh, I think rather sadly, his wife, Lady Emma Rashley, died uh, not that long ago, and I think she was more of a kind of lady of the manor. She was really into gardening, so I think she took on the place a bit more. Uh, I guess I'm guessing that since her death, he hasn't um, he hasn't been there. She used to work for Margaret Thatcher, by the way. She was a she used to um, be a secretary for Margaret Thatcher. Right. Apparently, she used to make sausage sandwiches for Dennis. Oh, nice. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. But she died, I think, 2015, sometime very very young in her early 50s. Now, the other thing I did like about her though was that she was a big Christian. Her Christian faith. From everything else flowed from that. She trusted completely Jesus Christ as her Lord and Saviour and encouraged others in her faith. She adored all children and became particularly dedicated in the local church, which we walked past. Now, one of the things she did do, and this might be effect of men in the building, was she got very into running alpha courses for couples to create marriage enrichment courses. Ooh. Now, who do you think could have needed that help? Well, Max clearly needs help. <laughs> Two times over, I would say. Yeah. First but time with Rebecca and second time with unnamed narrator. Should we call the unnamed narrator Daphne? Well, she's got. They say he Max says you've got a very unusual and lovely name. Well, I wrote that down. Yes, I, I had a very unusual and lovely father. She says, doesn't she? Oh, okay. So she's called Geraldine then. <laughs> anyway, back to Men and Billy. So yes, it, they didn't live in it, and they had let it go to sort of rack and ruin a bit. And so from the late twenties, when she first goes to Cornwall. She gets obsessed with this house, Daphne de Maurier, and she does and goes and vi- she claims to visit it a lot. Um, but when she starts, when Rebecca's a bestseller and then the film is a smash hit, global smash hit, she's got lots of money, right? Mm-hmm. So she takes on the lease and then she pours loads of money into this yeah. house to refurbish it yeah. and live in it during the war without her husband there because then he's posted off. He's, he's busy being a paratrooper. It's after the war, isn't it? No, she, she she moves in in 1943. Oh, does she? Okay. And she sees out the war there, and yeah. then he comes back. And that's when it's he comes back. He says, when he, he comes, comes back, back he goes, and you says, well, come I, we're married now, and I'm back in the picture. And she yeah. goes, are you? I'm, I'm in love with my house. Yeah. Uh, so she does it all up. One of her kids in one of the documentaries said she, she used to go around the house hugging it. She hugged the house. Yeah. She loved it so much. But the weird thing about this is if you look at the timeline of her life, people say that Mandalay is Menabili. Yeah. It's almost the other way around, right? Because you know yes. she visits Mena Billy when it's a ruin. Yes. In the in the early thirties, late twenties starts. Yeah. yeah. When and she starts yeah. sort of going there. Yeah. And she leaves Cornwall, goes to Egypt. Yeah. And Mandalay becomes this dream house. Yeah. In the book. Yeah. But then she doesn't move into Mena Billy until five years after the book comes out. Yes. So then Menabili is turning into Mandalay. It's all a bit, it's all very... Oh, yes. That's interesting, isn't it? Is that basically um, she's into Menabili until her husband turns up in a boat to woo her and she gets married and goes off to Egypt. And then when he's not around and she's got him off to the war, she's back at Menabili. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So Menabili is the not, she married, is having, the not married bit. She is having a relationship with she's the house. She's having a relationship with the house. Yeah, she's caught on the sofa with the house. <laughs> Three miles from the harbour, easy enough to find. But what about keepers and gardeners, chauffeurs and barking dogs? My sister was not such an inveterate trespasser as I. We asked advice. You'll find no dogs at Menabilly, nor any keepers either, we were told. The house is all shut up, the owner lives in Devon. But you'll have trouble in getting there. The drive is nearly three miles long and overgrown. Uh, where's he from, that guy? Well, we had a conversation that people in Cornwall don't talk like that. No. I, for one, was not to be deterred. The autumn colours had me bewitched before the start, so we set forth. Angela, more reluctant, that's you. Am I Angela? Well, you're the reluctant trespasser, aren't you? Oh, yeah. With a panting Pekingese held by a leash. 
You've got a pan panting, there you are. He's a, he's a bit of a big, ugly Pekingese. We came to the lodge at four turnings, as we had been told, and opened the creaking iron gates with the flash courage and appearance of bluff common to the trespasser. The lodge was deserted. No one peered at us from the windows. We slunk away down the drive and were soon hidden by the trees. I thought you were going to read the bit where they come to come at it from the sea. Uh, well, no, this, so that's the second time, actually. That's the second time. She, she's, see how romantic she says, I was Scott in the Antarctic, I was Cortez in Mexico, or possibly I was none of these things, but a trespasser in time. It's just a house, definitely. Yeah, it's just, just a house. I'm just scouting it's not, it out. It's not a, it's not a, and then Angela empire. firmly says, I don't like it, let's go home. Angela wouldn't be in that tunnel in Lincolnshire. Yeah. But the house, I said with longing, we haven't seen the house. So they didn't see the house the first time. They got, went up well, the... Well, should we explain what you're reading? Oh, well, do we have to? You're not reading from Rebecca. No, I'm not. No, you're I not. found a book called The Rebecca Notebook. Tim has been doing research. Yes, Sakazu Isiguro. Yes. Take note. Yeah. <laughs> He's been doing research. <laughs> On another podcast. Yeah. Yes, and it's a collection of essays written between sort of the 1940s and her death in the 1970s, yeah. published in various magazines, etc. Some of them are about her family life, but this one is about how she discovered Menabili, the model for Mandalay. Mandalay. She says, we came back again to Cornwall in the spring, and I was seized with a fever for fishing. <laughs> she's, she's, she's good, isn't she? I, I need like more it. cowbell. The Boutman's... <laughs> I got a fever... <laughs> <laughs> the boatman sculled off the little bay called Pridmouth. That's how the locals call it, apparently. Yeah. And as I looked at the land beyond and saw the massive trees climbing from the valley to the hill, the shape of it all seemed familiar. What's up there in the trees, I said? That's Menabili, Kenyon. So she'd been to Menabili from the land side. Yes. And now she's coming from the seaside. But you okay. can't see the house from the shore. It's away up yonder. I've never been there myself. That's how the fisherman talks. So why are we, so why are we reading that here? Well, because where are we? Well, I don't know. Where are we? We're at St Catherine's Castle. We are just on the edge of Foy Harbour. Yeah, we're on the, the we're on the coastal path. So if you walk out of Foy on the coastal path, you get to the, the edge of the harbour, and there's this Henrician Castle. Is that what it is? It's Henrician. It's built by Henry VIII. Tudor. Tudor. And uh, but where we're standing, it, there's two artillery gun placements. These were actually built in 1855. Yes. For the Crimean War. Yes, to defend invasion. against the Russians. Well, that's funny, isn't the it? Russians aren't coming Who did they think here? was coming up here? Well, we're only fighting the Russians. It was the French, the Ottomans and the English against the Russians. Yeah, so they're thinking a Russian fleet would get up the channel. Bizarre. It, it, it must be a bit of propaganda. Well, it would have to get up the, well, I suppose it would have to get up the channel. It would have to come over by the North Sea, wouldn't it? It must be a bit of propaganda just to keep the Brits on Very their toes. Odd. Very odd. It is odd, isn't it? Well, a solid bit of masonry. Anyway, so, we, we're pretty sure that Daphne du Maurier will have walked this path... She get once. She goes once by boat, right? To, yes. To the cove. So she, she goes would have once sailed by foot. out past this, and she goes once by foot. Yes, but interestingly, on the bit by foot, she says four turns and then the drive. Oh, she's up the other end. Yeah. It's on the main road. The drive. We well, that's that's an issue here. I say the main road. That people it's are being lame. sent to the gates of Menabili. Yeah. And they're the wrong gates, mate. Yeah. Aren't they? I think they are at the wrong gates. But we're going to find that out when we go up there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so we're on the quest to find. Uh, she would have been here though, wouldn't you? Mandalay by the back entrance and the front entrance. Yes. We should get moving before my job. It's still low tide. Of all the boys I've known, and I've known some. Until I first met you, I was lonesome. And when you came inside, dear, my heart grew light And this old world seemed new to me You're really swell, I have to admit you Deserve expressions that really fit you And so I've racked my brain hoping to explain All the things that you do to me By me, Mr. Shane Please let me explain By me, Mr. Shane means your This book came out in 1938 it did. And that so, much cannot be denied. And that's one of the facts we that, can get out of this. That's a fact. That's a fact. Yeah. Most of the books we've done from the 1930s, I would say it's very hard to, for them not to talk about Hitler. 
or the war, or, 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 the, or war itself, forthcoming. They're either or any talk, war. Well, they're either talking about the damage from the First World War, yeah. or they're talking about the looming disaster of the Second World War. Yeah. This book makes absolutely no mention it at, it at all. all. Don't mention the war. I mean, when this book landed in London, there was real, real palpable terror that yeah. the, the war was imminent. Yes. This is the year of Munich, Czechoslovakia, Anschluss, Kristallnacht. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a really bad year. But you wouldn't know it from reading Rebecca. Well, that, so I decided that I would try and ignore the war. Okay. I've got six things, none of them mention the war. Oh, good. <laughs> You've probably got the same six things, because well, they're the only things that didn't happen that, happened that year. No, that I think the there war. was quite a lot. I think it was quite good. I noticed, for example, Otto Hahn's nuclear fission of uranium. Yeah. So that basically the nuclear age starts. Yeah. Um, oil is discovered in Saudi Arabia. Uh-oh. Yeah. Yeah. Which is going to cause all kinds of trouble, isn't it? LSD is synthesized for the first time. Well, I was going to say that there's a clear harbinger of the 1960s hallucinogenic culture. I mean, we talked about the Beatles and Yellow Submarine in our Get Carter podcast. We did. Uh, We talked about Blue Meanies and various various things like that. So not only is LSD first synthesized, but Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs comes out. Ah, well, that's a good one, So if you want to talk about weird fever dreams. (laughs) No, but also about an innocent young lady who moves into a large house with some creepy old men. Yeah. Yeah, that's that true. is it. Yeah, seven of the buggers. Yeah. We're going to talk a bit about male anxiety later Come on, on. Then. If you're really worried about your your, your maleness, yes. uh, you strap on a pair of pants and a cape and go off flying. First Superman comic came out in oh, 1938. That's very good, isn't it? So, Superman. you know, Max is... You know, Max is clearly worried about his masculinity. Max is Clark Kent. Max is Clark Kent. That's... Starts wearing his idea. pants on outside his trousers. Well, that's why he's increased absences in London. Absolutely. He's off, he's <laughs> off fighting crime. <laughs> Well, actually, I had another male character who was invented in a co- in a comic that year, who I think might be more appropriate. Yeah. Is the Beano came out that the year? The Beano did come Lord out. Lord yeah. Snooty was invented. <laughs> Lord Snooty and his pals. Yeah, yeah. Now, the other thing about the mod- modernity, uh, you're going to hear. I, I'm pretty sure you're going to hear some sort of big band Andrew Sisters Benny Goodman music in this podcast because yeah. I've got a feeling that's going to happen. You've got a fever. <laughs> but I was really surprised that um, 1938 seems such a long time ago, right? And that it wouldn't, and a, and a remote and distant culture. But when I started seeing who was born then and what was going on, so that year Pete Seeger dropped out of college and became a, a, a musician. Wow. Glenn Gould played his first public piano concert. Sister Rosetta Tharp made her first recording. Yeah. So that's all. And then get this for a list of uh, people who were born in 1938. Nico. Oh. Benny King. Fela Kuti. And my favourite, Jet Black of the Stranglers. Jet Black of the Stranglers. <laughs> yeah. 1938. <laughs> yeah. So that, that, that's... W- that's a weird thing, isn't it? <laughs> the Strangler's world. The world of the Stranglers, the world of Max de Winter. I was going to say. Intersected Jet Black. Rebecca and Jet Black and the Stranglers were born in the same I year. I can imagine Death to quite liking the Stranglers. Well, The Birds, The Raven. Yeah, yeah. One of their better albums. Yeah, yeah. I think that's fair I enough. I can imagine her getting into a bit of Golden Brown. I imagine there was some Rattus Norvegicus in the basement. <laughs> <laughs> Get a grip on yourself. <laughs> OK, on the backdrop, we've got Jet Black. I was the one who actually woke up one day and said, I want to form a band. But of course, uh, it wasn't a band until there were people in it. And although I was looking for people with musical ideas that were interesting, all my, my searching for people really came to nothing. And the people were kind of met by accident. We called and whistled and Jasper did not come. I looked anxiously towards the mouth of the cove where the waves were breaking upon the rocks. No, said Maxim, we should have seen him, he can't have fallen. Jasper, you idiot, where are you? Jasper, Jasper. Perhaps he's gone back to the Happy Valley, I said. He was by that rock a minute ago, sniffing a dead seagull, said Maxim. We walked up the beach towards the valley once again. Jasper, Jasper, called Maxim. In the distance, beyond the rocks to the right of the beach, I heard a short, sharp bark. Hear that, I said. He's climbed over this way. I began to scramble up the slippery rocks in the direction of the bark. 
Come back, said Maxim sharply. We don't want to go that way. The fall of a dog must look after himself. Yes, do you hear that, ship's dog? Fall the of a dog, dog must look after itself and not just sit right at my knee, not venturing anywhere. So we're sitting Hang. on a Cornish beach amidst the rocks where the smugglers would have been, Jamaica in style, looking at the wreckage of an old boat. We should say that we have made it to the bay. At the, where, um, and the bay is called... Um, it is called Pole Ridmouth Bay. Pole Ridmouth, or Polemouth, she calls Pole it. Polemouth, I think the locals may pronounce it that way. Huh. But it's spelt Pole Ridmouth Bay. It's, got, it's actually got three beaches, really. Two sandy ones at low tide yeah. and one quite rocky one. As you come upon it from the coastal path... Walking from Foy. Yeah, the first beach has a rather beautiful, what might have well have been an old boathouse, converted down, down into yeah. a holiday let, I presume. It's very rather lovely. And then, if you're brave like Lloyd, you go across the rocks as if in search of Jasper, and you get to the next sandy beach. And um, if you're me, you just follow the path round. There you find a number of old locals swimming yeah. on a fine day. It's a lovely day. You you didn't swim. I've got you claim to have a light cold. Yeah. No, I'm really annoyed about it because it is lovely here. And I did bring my... Uh, my swimming trunks and my towel, but I've got a cold. It'd be stupid. I'd be I'd be ill if I do it. He's meant that the listener, the listener, does not get the full immersive experience. <laughs> I was well, swimming with my of, my expensive of, microphone. Of Lloyd in the water, <laughs> calling from the waves. Yeah, I shall return. Je reviens. Yeah, which is the name of the boat, isn't it? Yeah. Now, there is a wreck here, as you said. There's a load of twisted metal. It's not a wooden boat, is we it? We like a little bit of twisted metal, don't we, Tim? Oh, luckily, we've avoided that on this trip. Anyway, I looked up on submerged.co.uk and they, there is an article about the wreck of the Romany, mm. which this is. So there is a shipwreck here. It's a tangled wreck of iron. In, iron the, bi- in the book, of course, it, it, Rebecca goes down with her boat and the, the issue is how did the boat sink? Well, she's discovered because a German boat sinks off off here. Well, as we were walking round, I said to you, there's a there's a great tower up Gribbon at the top Head. there, Gribbon Head. Yeah, there's several warning boys, yellow warning. There are a lot of boys out there. So, so there's obviously you've a got to be quite there. a bad navigator to get into trouble around here. Yeah, the Germans, the Germans. They're probably driving on the wrong side. Well, and there we come to it. Yeah, driving on the wrong side, getting your right and your left. Your right mixed and left up. wrong. We've had this with writers before. We have. We had it with WGC Bold. He's German. Yeah, yeah. and he really didn't know his left from the right. <laughs> Absolutely. Which is quite critical when you're walking the East Coast, I'd say. Well, because Men of Billy House, the house of the Amanda, which we haven't actually seen. No, you don't. Never we, get to uh, see it. It's covered by trees. It's just, it's above, it's up. There's two valleys, actually, that run down into this, into this cove. And then there's runs down, one runs down to a, a biggish beach, is the one with the boathouse on it. Mm. And there's another smaller valley that runs down to a smaller beach. Now, the way you read the book, she talks about coming to path, a path, two pathways up at the house that run in opposite directions, a left and a right. Yes. So they're and going down towards the sea. That's right. And one goes down to the boathouse that Max doesn't want you to go to. And that's the right-hand one. Yes. And they take the left-hand one. To go down to the happy, but actually, sweet place. If, yeah. if the beach with the house on it is the beach with the boathouse, which we think it is, that is the one that it's would the be down the left-hand path from the house. It's the other way around. Not the right-hand path. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's interesting. So she didn't actually move into Menabili till 1942, I think, or in the 40s. This book is published in 38. Yeah, so she'd been researching She claims that she'd been trespassing, actively trespassing for 15 years, <laughs> since the late 20s, right? There's no one in the house there, right, at this point? She no, she, no I think she does say at some point that she does know, she talks to the caretaker occasionally, bumps into the caretaker who doesn't seem to mind her wandering around. But maybe she's still got a slightly hazy idea of where everything is. I think she has. And she is writing this in Egypt, from memoir. So... Maybe give her a bit of a pass. Anyway, she's put the boathouse on the wrong side, and I don't know why you'd bother. I don't why would you? Why bother? you would do that? It seems an elementary error to me. The only thing I would I think, think is we've that got it if, wrong. The, if the azaleas are on the wrong path, and she wants the azaleas to be in the right place, then she's more she's more worried about the azaleas than the boathouse. Well, on the map, the valley 
the valley that comes down from the house that you can't walk down because it's yeah. part. I think it's part. It must be part of the grounds of Menabilly. You can't walk down it. Yeah. There are tracks on the eight on the OS map that show that there are paths in there. Yeah. I think that's Happy Valley because it looks far. It's far lusher than the other valley. See, what I'm liking about this is this is a man who consults his Bradshaws, who's now trying to be an expert about the countryside. No, I'm only being an expert about looking at the map on yeah. my phone. <laughs> I don't actually have to go there. But that's what I'm saying, is that she's more interested in the countryside than she is about the boring logistics of where you put a boathouse. Yeah, well, well, that's, uh, you know, one man's boring is another man just get it right. <laughs> and it's always the men, isn't it? It's always the men. <laughs> it's always the men. I like, I like the way you've degendered yourself for this conversation. Are we allowed to say that? <laughs> Well, I, 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 have, I, have no, I have no name. I have a Joan of Arc haircut. <laughs> You're a bit, a bit useless. <laughs> I'm, a rom- I'm a foolish romantic. All you want to think about is clothes. <laughs> and, um, and I'm very anxious. I'm trying to tell you I want to marry you, you idiot. <laughs> Jasper. Jasper. How amazing to find the beach. Well, it was amazing. I'm still grumpy that I couldn't go for a swim. But, uh, I'm grumpy that I couldn't go for a swim. People were swimming, and yeah. it, they looked, it looked lovely. But um, I looked up... I didn't know at the time how much further you were going to make me walk. <laughs> I always make you walk further than you, you want. Go, always. You, you always look at it on the map, and you, you get your hand out, and you can do these little squares and go, oh, it's, it's, Don't six, worry. it's six kilometres. And in my head, I'm like, it's going to be ten kilometres. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 But that's how it goes. That's how it goes. Should we just go yeah, so you, you should go there, listener. It's a, it's a marvellous location. If, you, if you've read locations. Rebecca, it's, it's essential. Yeah, it's even if she's got a left and right mixed up. She did get a left and right Never mixed mind. up. Never mind. Anyway, in part two, which you can get straight away if you support us on Patreon by paying us two pounds, and you can get it without ads, in part two, we will continue our circular route around the Menabili estate. And what we're looking for is, A, we go and look at where Daphne du Maurier lived after she left Menabili and have some thoughts about that. Then we're going to go straight across the estate we're and going to get onto the, estate. the woods. We're going into the woods. And we, we, what we find there is actually quite amazing. Yes. Again, it's as if it was a dream. <laughs> Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Summer's just around the corner, so give your body the care it deserves with Osea's best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil. Created by infusing Andaria seaweed in barrels of botanical oils, it leaves skin silky soft and glowing. Plus, it's clinically proven to improve elasticity and deeply moisturize without feeling greasy. It's safe, clean, vegan skincare. Get 10% off your first order at oseamalibu.com with code GLOW, plus free shipping on orders over $60. 